Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 119, verses 65 to 72. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains, and against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower, and against every fortified wall, against the ships of Tarshish, and against all the beautiful craft. And the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with good godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might be put so that you might put what remained into order, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers, and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered, or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Good morning, and welcome to the 13th Tuesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Laguna Niguel, California. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 119, Isaiah 2 and Titus 1, and in Titus, uh, there's uh, an explanation by Paul of, of the kind of person he imagines a church leader to be. Um, he says they should have one partner, one wife, um, that they should live in accordance with godliness, and um, that their children should be believers, they shouldn't be uh, they should not act in any way that allows people to see them as debaucherous or insubordinate, uh, which is an important 
distinction or, or point because insubordination is something that someone does from below the power structure. Um, in many English translations, this word in the ESV, which is overseer, is translated bishop. And bishops in a number of high church traditions are the kind of main power figures in the church. Um, and in Paul's mind, they are men, um, but also they are not at the top of a pyramid uh, looking down on everybody, even though well, we'll talk about the word in a second. Um, he says they shouldn't be open to the charge of insubordination. That means that someone else is telling them what to do and that it's expected that they do the things that they're told to do by others. And so if you think that the bishop is at the top and like you know, looks down on or has power over others, that's not Paul's understanding of leadership. To be insubordinate assumes that you have superordinates, someone who is over you, supervisors over you. And that's another way that this is translated, um, supervisor, bishop. The word is episkopos. An epi means to look onto or upon, and then skopos is a watcher or a guardian or a lookout. Um, you can think of scope, like your rifle scope. Um, episcopos is to look at something or to look over something. Uh, it's like someone in a, a guard tower. You know, it's someone pulling guard duty. That is an episcopos, someone who is watching. Um, it's also sometimes used in military literature for a scout or a watch. Um, you could think of them as an inspector. And the way Paul sees them is, as I said, they are, they are of good moral character. Um, they've convinced somehow their children to be believers. Um, and they have people over them, even though they are watching over this thing we call the early church or early churches. Um, they love good, they're self-controlled, they're upright, holy, disciplined, um, and yet they're at the bottom, or they're not at the top, at least, of the power structure that the church assumes. That the, I'm going to say they're at the bottom, but that's a stretch. That's not really what Paul is saying. What we are, what is clear is that Paul suggests they're not at the top. Um, you know, there there are people who are telling them what to do, whether that's the people whether that's Christ or, or God or, you know, I don't know. But they are they should not be insubordinate to those that are assumed to be over them. They also need to be prepared to give instruction and rebuke those who contradict it. Um, and that can be a problem. I, in my own experience, the, you know, in, in the Episcopal Diocese of North Carolina, that Bishops aren't always willing to rebuke people who have done wrong. And sometimes bishops are the ones that do wrong. Not just in you know the Episcopal Church, but um, high church traditions, or in the Catholic Church as well, with a rampant abuse scandal. Like, bishops should have been rebuking um, uh, individuals who had credible allegations of debauchery. Um, and they weren't. And so Paul's vision of church leadership is not one that is is often found. Um, and part of that is, I think an important part is that he doesn't, he does not see bishops or leaders of the church as somehow over everybody else. 
but in fact they answer to someone or something. Now, I think that includes other members of the church, but perhaps Paul has in mind just God uh, or the, you know, the Godhead, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Um, and so it's, you know, we often, Paul does not share our cultural upbringing. Um, I think that Paul does share our moral expectations of doing right and not allowing power to corrupt those who wield it. Um, you know, he had different views about women, but I think power being performing the role it does in Saul's theology, I think he would be open to, particularly open, especially given how um, how Jewish you know he was, Hebrew of Hebrews, etc. That had really important um, rules around the moral and ritual purity, the distinction in moral and ritual purity required of men and women. Men didn't bleed, you know, at intervals, forcing them to take special precautions and undergo certain tasks to return them to ritual purity. Um, And so Saul, given his background and the way he speaks of slaves and, well, not so much slaves, I think uh, the Hebrew tradition has really progressive views on slavery, but women, the way he addresses them first in front of men, um, suggests that he's aware of that power dynamic. Um, Even if within the culture he was operating, to say the things he was about power as it was exercised in the household, I think was pretty alarming. And it, it assumes, again, that those who have power are to be told by others they're accountable to how they should wield it. Those who are seeing over the overseers, the bishops, the supervisors, however you want to translate episkopos, that they may be looking out over the whole thing, but they're not at the top of the power structure. Men may be, you know, more qualified in Paul's mind to be bishops, but that doesn't put them at the top. Um and that's a, a model of leadership that isn't always seen in today's church. Um, and yet, this is the foundation for which <clears throat> uh, we derive our understanding of what it means to organize ourselves as Christians. Um, and so, how we think of power and how it's exercised should reflect uh, the way the early church, and Paul in particular, be, the way he created the early churches um, should be um, instructive and should be the way that we should be looking at doing things. A prayer for the election of bishops and other ministers from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, giver of every good gift, look graciously on your church and so guide the minds of those who shall choose bishops and other priests and ministers that the church may receive faithful pastors who will care for your people and equip them for their ministries. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, 
You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.